Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the Old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we have Ray Flores of Flores Concepts. Those are the, the foundation behind El Charo, Charo Del Rey, Charo Steak, Charo Vita, Cervezas, and so much more in our wonderful city. And we're going to learn how two female entrepreneurs have carried this tradition for 100 years. Today is November 21st. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to U Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android by simply heading over to your app store and getting the Downtown Radio Tucson app. And it'll have, you'll have us in your pocket wherever you go. If you want to reach us on the show, our email address is contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. You can also hit us up on Facebook, Instagram. You can find our podcast just about anywhere podcasts are available. And if you want to listen directly, just head over to our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org. Well, this week is Thanksgiving. And you know what that means shopping on Friday. We all know Black Friday comes up and uh, all kinds of deals, online deals, all kinds of good stuff. But don't forget your local vendors. Remember that uh, through American Express, they have the Small Business Saturday. You can head over to their website for details of some of those businesses. But you can also go to Local First Arizona and see all of our businesses in the state that have uh, deals going on this weekend for the post Thanksgiving celebration. You can also get a lot of stuff online and um, we'll link to all of that, of course, from our Facebook page, but you can head over to Life Along along the Streetcar for us or Local First Arizona for those shows. Well, today's guest is uh, very familiar with Tucson. I'm sure just about everybody listening has probably eaten at one of their restaurants. Uh, Ray Flores, he's one of the partners of Flores Concepts. And uh, I wanted to have him on the show, not just because they'd serve great food at places like El Charo or Charo Steak, Charo Del Rey. Uh, if you haven't been there yet, I went to Charo Vida, fantastic. And their, their collaboration with Don Guerra and uh, Barrio Bread, they call that uh, Charo uh, uh, Barrio. Fantastic, fantastic food. But really want to talk to him about the legacy uh, because this this whole endeavor started in 1922 with a woman named Monica Flynn, and uh, she's the one that really launched the El Charo restaurant. Ray is a family member. His mom, Carlota, took over in 1972 for the family, and she's been running it for about the last 50 years. So I had a chance to sit down and talk to Ray about some of the challenges of a family-run business back in 1922 and some of those today. Uh, some of the exciting things, and uh, their brand new concept coming out called the Monica. First of all, can you just tell us a little bit about Flores Concepts and, and kind of all the, all the things you've got going on, just briefly? Uh, sure. So Flores Concepts uh, is really a management entity. The management entity handles 
the business affairs of the units or the enterprises that we do, whether it be restaurants or catering companies or manufacturing, concession work. You know, and the brand, the brand I think people are most familiar with is going to be El Charo, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But, but you've, I mean, in the last decade, you have just grown into so many different directions with with some of these other concepts. Part of that growth was uh, obviously there's organic growth as we know in business, and then there's there's strategic growth, and then some of it was, you know, in in a way we had to diversify the brands um, because. We learned a costly lesson when I came into the family business and, you know, right after college that we didn't own the federal trademark for El Charo. And we were getting approached by opportunities like in airports or other where they wanted our intellectual property and our story, but we couldn't in, in good faith license because we didn't own the federal trademark to El Charo. Despite being the oldest El Charo in the country, in the, uh, you know, my mom's great aunt, Arthea Monica, as we call her, was really kind of screwed around by a lot of people, uh, you know, of her contemporary, which, you know, her lawyers, her advisors or whatever, maybe lack thereof. She didn't get great counsel. She made mistakes as a lot of small business people do, especially small business women at the time. That was, you know, a, kind of an unheard of commodity to have a small business owned by a woman. I don't think they were just treated with a lot of respect and regard. And uh, she wasn't given good counsel. She, she never protected her intellectual property. And of course, that wasn't a big thing in the 20s or 30s or 40s. It probably took took flight more in the 50s, 60s and 70s as trademarking became more of a uh, legitimate way to protect your property. Um, but she didn't get her brand protected. And in the 70s or late 60s, rather, uh, Alvis made a movie called Charro and Charro was his like first legitimate non-singing movie, the only one he didn't sing in it, and it was kind of blew up a lot of places all of a sudden right around that time. And then there was the 70s movie icon, Chattero, you know, the, the singer, songwriter, whatever she was. And the brand, all these El Charos opened up around the country. And in the mid-70s, a guy in uh, Michigan actually trademarked it. But unfortunately for everybody, including himself, the brand already existed in too many uh, uh, applications. And the path to trademark and protection was was really washed away. And the trademark office said, look, you know, there's not a lot of value to the trademark because it's used so many places and there, it predates so many things that would be hard to protect. Well, that taught me a lot about trademarking. And ever since then, we've been working hard to protect our intellectual property, develop brands like like Cervezas when I developed it, that I own the mark, a federal trademark for Carlotta's Kitchen, federal trademark, Charo Steak, federal trademark, C. Charo, federal trademark. And this may seem like, well, that doesn't really matter if you're not expanding, but you know, when, when you get a company like an MGM that comes and knocks on your door and says, Hey, we love what you do. We'd like to use your product or work with you, but you don't have a clear path on your intellectual property. You can obviously, obviously it can close doors pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And that happens to a lot of small businesses. Um, you know, you look at what happened here with, uh, chopped remember chopped when it was, uh, when it first opened and then they had to change the name to choice greens because they, they didn't own a clear path on the federal trademark. So you can imagine that could have been suicide had they expanded all around the country or, or you know, had more than a couple stores like they did at the time. So um, uh, something we learned. And so, yeah, very familiar with El Charo. But Flores Concepts, the management entity, that's the kind of work it does. It it, it organizes and, and legitimizes a lot of our creative efforts. 
And, and those creative efforts, like you said, they're they're spreading. They're not just in Tucson anymore. I mean, you're in airports across the country. Did I hear you're you're in the MGM Grand in Vegas? So we were in the MGM for the last uh, eight plus years. We just closed our MGM brand concept uh, this past weekend, uh, not by our choice necessarily. Often, this is usually what happens in in licensing or others. So we had a licensing relationship with you with the MGM. Um, we had a great run. It was a lot of fun to be part of. But you know, we were uh, we were back in an area in the MGM called the District, and the District is uh, right. It, it butts up against the MGM Grand Arena. Well, when they built T-Mobile Arena, all the big highline events that were typical to MGM Grand Arena moved over to T-Mobile. So they've they had some issues with volumes back there. It was a really big restaurant, and there was you know there was regime leadership changes and whatnot. And along the way, of course, then came COVID, and they've really kind of refined their. They, you know, Vegas is constantly reinventing itself. So mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to do something different. Um, that, but we came up with Echo specifically for that, and again, uh, own the trademark. So we will have the trademark back, and we may bring back Echo in Vegas in a different arena somewhere in that market. Yeah, well, and here locally, I think some of the brands that might surprise people um, if they're not paying attention, uh, like Charo Vita, that is a completely uh, different concept than, well, not completely different, but it's got a, it's got a different uh, uh, sort of narration with, with a, a plant-based, um, largely plant-based menu. Uh, and Barrio Charo, the, the collaboration with Barrio Bread, which is just phenomenal. And uh, I mean, it just really shows the, the depth and breadth of, of uh of all of the concepts that you've got going just in Tucson. Yes. You know, if you look at our friend, you know, Sam Fox and Sam and I go way back and, you know, Fox restaurant group, you know, if people don't realize it, but there was a Fox restaurant and it's still on Broadway. And that was his dad, one of his dad's original restaurants. So, um, you know, sometimes you apply a family name. We didn't really want to put Flores on restaurants. Necessarily. People knew us as Charo more than anything. So when, when we started looking at the restaurants, one of the things that, came up was Chattero could do almost anything. And, um, you know, we, my mom was known for making great uh, Italian food amongst our networks and friends. And we would do it for a lot of caterings and we would do turkey dinners for our friends. And we do right now. We've got, I think we sold a hundred turkey dinners for Thanksgiving um, because we've got great chefs and great, we have a real appreciation for food. The brand is Chattero. And when we put C Chattero, like, yes, you know, C meaning yes, Yes, Chattero can do anything that we put our, our minds to and our hearts to. And Chattero Vida came about. I had I had uh, battled cancer, and I wanted to do a, a little bit of a healthier restaurant and work on plant-based eating as a, as a focus, but also create something where protein eaters could still eat the clean protein with it. Um, Barrio Charo, because we blended the culture of Don Guedra's famous, you know, an iconic Barrio Bakery with our Charo recipes. Um, you know, Chattero del Rey was something that, was born from an opportunity next to Chattero Steak, where there was a restaurant called the Del Rey in in uh, California that we would eat at when we were kids. It was this amazing seafood restaurant where I first had lobster and oysters Rockefeller, and you know where I where I really learned how to eat when I was a kid. When my uncle would take us there, he was a he owned horse uh, racing horses, and um, this is where the, all those guys would go to eat, and we brought back this kind of classic style of eating mixed in with El Charo, you know, we do escargot with carne seca on it. We do lobster, but, you know, stuffed with a tamale. And we wanted to add our charo-ness to this Del Rey legendary restaurant that we knew of. Um, and, you know, that's what we try to do. We try to put a little bit of Tucson, a little bit of Chattero in everything we do. And if, it, if it's 
it makes the chadro cut, it kind of has a chadro name. In the, in the case of the Monica, it's going to be different because it's not going to be a lot of Mexican food. But again, it has a heritage and lineage to the stuff that we grew up eating that has never made a menu. But it's always delicious and ready now, I think, for prime time. And we'll be back to the second part of our interview with Ray Flores in just a moment. But first of all, I want to remind you that you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. BK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. All right. Well, welcome back. We're going to finish up that interview with Mr. Ray Flores of Flores Concepts. And uh, that legacy started in 1922 by Monica Flynn is going strong and reaching our 100th year here in Tucson. Well, let's let's talk about the Monica because that's the newest uh, creation that's going into the uh, the city park building downtown. Um, and, and that got uh, some nice press the other day in the, in the paper. But can you tell us a little bit about that concept? Because you're going to have uh, sort of a, a more rotating menu in there, aren't you? Or, or more? Uh, Correct. Uh, it'll be a, Correct. a little bit more variety. Well, I don't know how long you, I mean, you've been Tucson for a while, but there was a point back in the day where, uh, for instance, Rincon Market. You know, I grew up going to Rincon Market when it was really great. And uh, I remember eating, you know, you could go up there and you could have this great, uh, mix of foods that was available to grab and eat right there. And then you could order off of a grill menu that was really great. They were making it all fresh out of these ingredients. And over the years, you know, it waned in food costs and challenges to labor and things make it harder for some of those concepts to have stuck around. And, and you know, people's dying, you know, uh, they, you know, their likes and their nuances change. You know, there was a day uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where where cafeterias and buffets were, were amazing. And, and those are gone, but... You know, um, I still think there's room for uh, a faster meal with really quality ingredients made that you don't have to always order at, from, a, from a server or, you know, do you have to also build your own bowl or sandwich like as if you're a, a chef all of a sudden. I think there's an opportunity to put chef-designed, really high-quality ingredient f- foods in front of people in a faster format with a lower price point um, in a downtown setting like that, because we like we got you know 50, what fifteen thousand people work downtown on a given day uh, in that area, if not more. And where do they go for you know a really good roasted chicken and mashed potato, but without having to sit down, take that time when everyone's in a hurry or they want to eat at their desk or they want to take a tip for takeout? We wanted to deliver something like that, um, along with of course some really great prepared grill recipes and other things. So. The idea to bring Monica homestyle cooking into that format was where it started. And then we started thinking, well, this really needs to pay homage to Tucson's amazing culinary legacy, which is, as you know, as much as we're known for the Wildcats, we're definitely known for our food, if not even more so now. Um, so to bring other chefs involved was the concept where, like, well, God, you know, it'd be really great to bring back, you know, some recipes that are long, long forgotten. Maybe something from Donna Norton from Cafe Terracotta. Maybe something from Janos or maybe something from Daryl from Lotus Garden that was closed or 
you know, people that had the pandemic either paid it off or something else caused them to not, you know, maybe they didn't have a, a legacy plan like what my mom's been blessed with, with having us, us be able to take over. So that's kind of what the Monica is going to represent. And, and, you know, I think that flexibility to change, we've got all these great chefs already in our team. I mean, I have some amazing chefs on our team right now that can knock out I, you know, too much quality food. That's why I'm probably gaining way too much, but, um, <laughs> just really cool stuff i just had a dessert tasting with we just hired a guy named chef miguel who was formerly at cielos and the guy's just a rock star you know he's really an up-and-comer we hired him and then we hired chef danny who was you know he opened the jw he ran la paloma he's got huge food service background and understands uh, a lot of supply chain which is another challenge in today's yeah. restaurant business environment we got a we got a killer chef in there and you know he's backed up by guys who are already on our team like Gary or gals like my chef Alba, who I have, and Chef Miriam, and of course Carlota, you know, the, the, the grand dam of them all, to just drive quality and innovation in the kitchen. But no matter what, the Monica, really great homestyle cooking available all the time at a reasonable price point. That's what we wanted. Want to deliver something downtown that wasn't too shishi, but felt like you were eating somewhere really nice. Yeah, and and let's let's talk. Uh, I really want to delve into the namesake of that because I think Monica Flynn is a name in Tucson that has had so much. Her legacy is so impactful, and yet a lot of folks don't fully understand um, her connection to to Tucson and to, to El Charo. I know you guys talk yeah. about it quite a bit, but I think it, it's also a reflection of what you said, being a female entrepreneur in the twenties. Um, it, w- it was tough, but can you tell us about your Tia Monica? Well, if there was a debt, you know, you, there's this new word out there, you know, the same, you know, that uh, they used, you know, the boss babe or, you know, boss woman, or I'll, I won't use the other word, but they say boss blank. And, you know, I think she was one of the, the pioneers of that movement. Um, you know, my mom's been able to recently work alongside Chef Maria from Boca a little bit. And I think, you know, Maria has said it well, you know, like Carlota's opened the doors for people like Maria to come into. Well, Monica opened doors for a lot of people to come into and, and really also showed what when those doors open, what you have to worry about. And I think where Monica was a pioneer in what she did opening a restaurant, I think, unfortunately, her tale is also a pioneer of what to what to prevent and what not to let happen again. And urban renewal was one of them where, you know, city planners and and aggressive business people that were somewhat unethical did things to her that shouldn't be done anymore should never be done again and you know they they took her building from her and paid her below market rates for what it was worth and her you know when she got hit with capital gains no one had calculated what that would mean she was penniless after all these years of having this restaurant she couldn't afford to move it um, when they kicked her out and they promised her things and things that she didn't get properly documented and you know like we talked about her trademarking woes with her name but you know immediately after them claiming eminent domain and and, and condemning her building they, that they were supposed to blade for a big development in La Posita which has now been knocked down and rightfully replaced by an apartment named the Flynn um, you know they they said they were going to hey we're you're out you know we're we're, we're not going to put a restaurant in here here's your money go away this is going to be another type of development we're making we're building the TCC well, then they come back and they actually didn't knock the building down. They actually rented it to a friend of one of the developers who had a Greek restaurant in there. And then they, because he was failing, they marketed the Greek restaurant as blah, 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 whatever it was at the El Charo building. So then she had to sue 
Um, and Hal Cole, who's an legendary old attorney in town, had to go and demand the city and, and these developers stop using the El Charo name to identify that building. After all that, they like it was like insult to injury to call the building the El Charo building to market their their friend's Greek restaurant. Yeah, and, man. you know, I mean, those kind of stories will always motivate someone like me because I've always said, like, now you got to deal with me. <laughs> and I'm not the kind of person that you're going to get one over on on that because I've done my homework and I I enlist the better counsels of America, you know, that we have available to us in this market because it is you know business can be very dog eat dog as we know and I think unfortunately Monica's tale of what happened to her wasn't just that she came you know this young woman who came here and with her father and opened up this restaurant while he was out building the cathedral and doing all this stuff in, in his in his career. But it was also how her how her how her legacy almost ended abruptly, and then you know the second phase, which is there's two these two women, right, Monica and Carlota, both each equally you know have had a 50 year run because my mom's now approaching her 50th year and running this business. Um, who would have thunk it, right, that the math worked out that way? Uh, but what's interesting is when my mom came in, my mom actually was in California. Monica had actually been moved to California by the family to go into hospice. And because my mom was the younger one in the family of the, of the older women that were involved, she was to move here. She was to come here, rather, to help settle the affairs and close the business down. It was fledgling. They couldn't figure out what to do with it. It was in between the two locations. My mom came here with my dad, left me at home and my brother. We were just, you know, one and two years old, respectfully. And she came in for a week and they were going to shut the business down. She came in, she walked in the building, she's like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't end this. I grew up in this thing. I, I, I think we can make this thing work. And she decided to go back to the family and negotiate terms where she paid off the family, although she was one third of the uh, inheritors, she decided she was gonna buy it from the other two. And then she moved back here with my brother and I, very young, my sister hadn't been born, and she took over a bankrupt business in, you know, in real shambles, right? And turned it into what El Charo is known for today. Wow. So yeah. it really is two women that just, I don't know, the kind of cojones they have that they exist in too many people. I mean, it's, um, I, I can remember many times where, you know, my mom's line of credit was pulled and she put everything on her visa or MasterCard or, you know, took a second out on their home to, to keep the business going. You know, Tucson was a different market, you know, the last, you know, 50 years up until maybe five, 10 years ago. I mean, our summers were so brutal here. Mm -hmm. um, nobody could make it during the summers and every restaurant had to go and, you know, they used to call credit card their summer. Um, everybody that's, that knows those, those woes can remember where you couldn't do any business in the summer. Everyone left. There was no business here. Um, and now that's, you know, that's gotten better as we've gotten more density and, and people stick around more. And so, well, it's a great testament to the, um, I think, the legacy of, of those in Tucson. You know, this started 50 years from 1922 with Monica Flynn, picked up by your mom, Carlota Flores, and brought us to the next 50 years. And I can only imagine what you and, and your family are going to do over the next 50 years with this concept. Right. It's, well, uh, it's, um, it's huge shoes to fill. I don't know if I can fill them like those two women and... Um, I definitely need a lot more support than they than they got, but um, we have a you know there is a fire in us that belongs to Tucson. We belong to Tucson. Uh, I remember when I 
came into the restaurant, I was going to take over or start working on the takeover plan. And I talked to somebody they're like, oh, move your company to Phoenix. You'll never work there. And I just refused to do it. I was like, no, I'm going to stay here. That's what Monica and Carlotta did. And I'm going to stay here. We're going to build it from here. So well, appreciate people like you who do the same in your businesses and what you guys do, because all this stuff takes time. People think people do this for to get rich. You guys do this kind of stuff because you want to tell the story because that's what makes us special. And that's what people come to move here and why they want to do business with us. Well, I'm looking forward to the 100th year anniversary at El Charo and uh, all the festivities that are going to surround that. Ray, I appreciate your time and uh, and I can't wait to get into uh, the Monica and uh, continue supporting uh, these wonderful restaurants you and your team have developed around Tucson. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. All right. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks, Ray. All right, that was perfect. And a thank you to Mr. Ray Flores for uh, for sharing his time and his story. And I, re I really wanted to have him on for a while and, and talk about the impact of Monica Flynn and and, uh, and Carlota. These are, are two individuals. I don't think we, we really realize how lucky we are in our community to have people that are willing to go out and be strong and, and make things happen. And, and I mean, you heard from Ray, think about the challenges in 1922 of a female entrepreneur trying to start a business, the challenges um, uh, just with getting credit and credibility. But she persevered. She made it happen. And it's 100 years later and her legacy is still going strong. Um, very excited to share that story with you today. Well, my name is Tom Heath. You're listening to Life Along the Streetcar and Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087, BK number 0902429, Equal Housing Opportunity. Well, that's going to do it for episode number 178. Can't believe we're getting to that magic 200 number. Do something big for that show coming up here uh, next year. Hey, if there's anything you want us to uh, cover, don't uh, uh, hesitate to reach out to us. Contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. Hit us up on Facebook. Maybe tag us on something you want us to share, and we will be sure to uh, uh, get that out there. We're trying to uncover hidden gems, and sometimes they're so hidden we don't even know about them. So do not hesitate to reach out to us. It is a uh, special week here. It's Thanksgiving week. I hope you get a chance to relax with your family, your friends, and celebrate the goodness in your life. And then remember, when you start that crazy shopping the day after and start fighting people for toys in the store, uh, maybe do that with a local store and uh, give them a little bit of love. Well, I'm wishing you all a happy Thanksgiving, and I want to leave you with a little music today. I think it's very appropriate, uh, given that uh, Ray Flores talked about the legacy of uh, Monica Flynn, which started 100 years ago in 1922. We're actually going to leave you with a song here called 1922. See how I did that? 1922. This is by a band called Box the Oxford, and it's a single they put out in 2018. Hope you enjoy it. And I hope you have a fantastic week. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday for 
more life along the streetcar. Have a great Thanksgiving. Too much for the modern